Good morning. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. While you're very ecumenical, I mean, I'm here and I'm, I'm listening to the songs written by Martin Luther. Um, it's, I'm feeling very welcome. Thank you very much. So. I told the group yesterday that, that one of the things that I was here for was to tell you some secrets about pastors. Boy, have I got one today. If you absolutely need to tell your pastor something and have her forget it, tell her right before a worship service starts. Because there is a bazillion things going through her mind at that time. Like, did I write a sermon on the correct lesson for today or am I way off? Do I have the right hymns? Do I know what I'm doing today? Am I in the right place today? Just 10,000 things going on. Let me give you an example. I have two boys in my family, uh, Matthew and Mark. There's only two Gospels in our family. Um, they're 21 and 16, which meant for several years I had two teenagers. <sighs> I'm still trying to recover from that one. When Matthew was about ah, four or five years old, and I was serving in a parish, he came up to me right before a worship service, and he said, Daddy! Daddy, Daddy! Daddy, Daddy, Daddy! And me and my infinite patience looked down at him and said, What? Daddy! Daddy, Daddy! 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 Yes, yes, what, 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 Matthew, what? Daddy, I, I just want you to know that, I just want you to know that, that right before you do your sermon, I have a prayer for you. And my heart just melted. I said, oh. And I looked down at him and I said, oh, Matthew. Matthew, thank you. Tell me, what prayer do you have for me? And he looked up at me and said, Daddy, right before your sermon, I fold my hands and I say, now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> now at 21, right before a worship service, he prays, Please don't let him use me as a sermon illustration. <laughs> but he did have a good idea, and I think we ought to start with prayer. Let's start with prayer right now, can we? Let's pray. Oh, Holy Father, we thank you for bringing us together at this time. You have brought us together to, to, to be the church, to, to celebrate, to live in your word, to be empowered by your word, and to be sent out from here. Lord, use us as your hands, as your feet, as your voice into this world. You have gifted all of us. You have called all of us. You have empowered all of us. Send us to be your disciples into this community and into your world. In your son's name we pray. Amen. 
You heard the, the, um, the lesson read in a translation that's called the NRSV. Um, and that's actually one of my favorite translations. I like that one because it's a really good one for using for Bible study. But there's another one that's out, and I want to read that also to you. I wanted you to hear both of those. And this is in one called The Message, if you've seen that before. I just bought this Bible probably about a year ago. I think I need to take it back. The print keeps getting smaller. (laughs) This is, again, from the 12th chapter of Romans. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to the culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and be quick to respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. I am speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. Living then, in every one of, as in every one of you does, in pure grace, It's important that you not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, God brings it all to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and by what we do for him. I thought about this as I also thought about what it means to be the church. Someone asked me that this morning. What does it mean to be the church? In this lesson, we heard a little bit about Christ being in us, about us being the different parts of the body of Christ, the body of the church. And if the church is the body of Christ, if we are the body of Christ, the question then, is the church alive? And what are the characteristics? What are the traits of something that actually is alive? Think for a moment even why you are here. Isn't isn't there sometimes some place you would rather be? With as cold as it's starting to get, I would think that I'd like to be on some warm, sandy beach somewhere. Maybe even in Jamaica. Who knows? But we are here because we are part of a family, part of the body of Christ. And what does that mean? If the church is the body of Christ, does that mean it's alive? And what are those characteristics? What are those traits of being alive? I had the opportunity recently to to read a, a book by an author by the name of Neil Cole. It's called The Organic Church. And that got me to think about some things. I was thinking that, well, organic things 
are living things. And living things are changing things. Think about it. When you think about something that is living, something that is alive, whether it's a plant, whether it's an animal, whether it's a person, the only thing that does not change are things that are dead. If the church is to be a living, breathing, spirit-filled entity, it must be changing. It must be transforming. We must not be so well-adjusted to our culture that we fit in without even thinking. If we are living, we are changing. If we are not changing, then we are dead. But let's take that one step farther. Because change for change's sake is no better than no change at all. One of my own confessions to you is I'm a real science fiction fan. I love science fiction. I, I remember Star Trek when it first came out, which is kind of dating me a little bit. One of the really popular shows that's on now that's kind of a science, science fiction based with maybe some of your kids or grandkids know about is one that's called Heroes. And I see a few people nodding. Well, the theme for that last year was something called Save the Cheerleader, Save the World. Well, you have to watch the show to get that one. And I thought, think about that with the church. Not save, but change. Change the church. Change the world. You see, we need to change. We are not called to be an attractive church. We are called to be an evangelical church. We are not called to count noses and nickels, but to transform people's lives. We are not called to necessarily be pleasant or friendly or even inviting. We are called to be true and relevant in a world that desperately needs what we have. So how do we be an organic church? How do we be transformational? How do we be, as we heard today, reformational? We do so by being the change agent. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness by being the prophet. You see, I don't think church attendance is the barometer of how Christianity is doing. Transformation is the product of the gospel. It is not enough to fill our churches. No, we must transform the world. To adopt the words of a fictional prophet known in the movie The Matrix as Morpheus. He said this, or something similar. Let me tell you why you are here. You are like Alice falling down the rabbit hole in Lewis Carroll's story. You are here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you can feel it. 
You've known it your entire life. You have felt it your entire life. There is something wrong with the world. And sometimes there is something wrong with the church. You don't know what it is, but it's there like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. Sisters and brothers of Calvary, as a family, as an organic church, you have known that. You have chosen to begin to be change agents by doing something different, by committing yourselves this past year to be on a transformational journey. And not just to survive, but to thrive. Not just to exist, but to change. Not to look inward, but to be transformational. And to be a transformational power in your community and in your world. And you have also chosen, as a family, as an organic church, to gather together and discover what God's purpose is for you and to live that out in the world. So now I ask you, what are the next things God is calling you to do? What is the next transforming, empowering, maybe even crazy thing God is calling you to do next? to create next, to be next? What is God calling you to plant or change or let die or resurrect? Sisters and brothers, we are Alice and the rabbit hole awaits. Let the adventure continue. Amen.